Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show. I am your host, of course, Joe Mobley. And tonight we're going to do what we always do. We're going to encourage people to come out of the conservative closet, which I define as being able to share your thoughts, your opinions, and your beliefs, regardless of the situation or the circumstances. I I hear myself echoing. Sorry, that was very distracting. Uh, so we're back. Um, we've got an awesome guest for you guys tonight. We've got the one and only Linda Nelson, who wrote this awesome book. I think we're going to talk about it. And of course, we have friend and fan favorite of the show, Mr. Demis Christophe. Here. Whoa. Hey, hello. <laughs> hello. I can't talk today. It's really a problem. Words are hard. You're too uh, excited. <laughs> I know. And I'm just drinking water. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you know, Demis knows why I'm excited. I'm excited because I can finally use my camera because my new MacBook is here. It's we, here. We've been I, talking about this for months. <laughs> I know. I pick it up and show it to you, but I don't want to mess up the whole stream. No, it's okay. I'll come over but, uh, and see it. Don't worry. Linda, to bring you up to speed, I've been using a machine that's like, I don't know, it's like eight years old or something. Um, so my stream was like struggling and I was like, I don't care. I'm going to keep showing up and keep doing it. People can hear what I'm saying, even if the camera's going crazy or whatever. Uh, and Bob and Eric, the Bob and Eric, they were like, Oh, that was great. That, that they was said that I had dial up like the old AOL. They said, <laughs> well, they'll come back on when I get brought into the 21st century. Uh, <laughs> So, Linda Nelson, how are you? Tell the audience who you are, and then we'll we'll dive into the interview. Well, I am fine. I'm I'm exceptionally happy because I have um, my daughter and son-in-law and three grandkids heading towards my house. So um, they live in California. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. Sunny, beautiful Tucson. So when you want to get out of your snow and see the big blue beautiful sky you can come on out and visit me um i so to describe who i am i am a, a wife i'm a mother i'm a grandmother um i'm a teacher and i have taught i have had a very successful uh life as a businesswoman um and i've been a conservative uh since about 1976 Prior to that time, I was in college, and um, I was a flaming liberal and was at a very liberal university. Um, but I started seeking truth, and I decided that as part of that, um, that quest, I would read the Bible. So I went and got a used Bible at a used bookstore and started through it. And about six months into my reading that Bible, most of the time I was frustrated with it. I uh, finally got into the New Testament and went down on my knees one day, one person, and I stood up a completely different person. And I have been that person the rest of my life. So I've had a life committed to, to uh, loving uh, Jesus and doing whatever I can in his kingdom. So that's that's kind of who I am. Oh, I, I've also been a, a conservative activist. When I was younger, I'm in my 70s now, but when I was younger, I um, uh, went on the radio and debated the Planned Parenthood 
the president of Planned Parenthood in my area. Um, because Planned Parenthood had sex education in the schools, I developed a, um, a curriculum for abstinence education and took that into the public schools, went to the, the schools and said, if, if Planned Parenthood gets a week, I get a week. And so we did that. Um, I've done a lot of crazy things. <laughs> and you wrote a not crazy book, guys. You can get this book. I usually wait until the end to do the commercial. We're going to do it right now. You can get this book at Linda's website. It's to the number two americas.net. And you just right there, you can watch an awesome trailer about the movement and the video. Um, but then you can just go down and see the book and order it right from this page. All right. So, guys, I almost made it a whole year without a child coming in during a stream. So if we made it to November 30th, then I would have made it the whole time. But hey, sweetie, come here. I know. Come here. Uh, but. I do have a child who's sick. I knew that she wasn't going to make it here. Come here, sweet girl. Um, so this is my Daisy do. Hi. This is my third child. Her name's Daisy, and she's she's not feeling well. So Demis is going to carry the interview for a couple of minutes while I go take care of her nose. Um, and Demis, I put the notes in the in our private chat on, yes. on the StreamYard page. Yes. So I it, shall return. Got it. Got it. Uh, all right, Linda. So I don't know if you know much about me. I'm I'm Demis. I'm the host of Immigrant Corner. Uh, I have a show. It's called Immigrant Corner. I uh, uh, what I talk about is I I talk about I'll talk about an, uh, the issues we have here from an Iranian perspective because I'm from Iran. And. I compare to where I come from to where I live now and how things are changing and, you know, uh, my basically I, I put out my point of view on it. So, so yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Um, so as we, we, before we came on, we were talking about how God and, and praying was taken out of schools. Yes only because it was offending some people. Well, it's um, it's a little bit different than that, Demis. Would you like me to kind of explain? Absolutely. Um, Please okay. do. Okay. So uh, from a immigrant perspective, have you read our Constitution? Of course. Are you familiar with it? Yes. yes. All right. So, and do you have children? I have four. Oh. Congratulations. <laughs> so you would be able, you would think that you could teach your children, you could say to your children, you can expect to have certain rights that will never be taken away from you. And you have the right um, to have a free exercise of religion. You have a right to freedom of speech and uh, freedom of the press. If you're a journalist, you are uh, anybody has freedom of the press, have a right, to, a right to assemble together. You have a right to come to the government with a grievance. Those rights are afforded in the Constitution from one perspective only. And the perspective is that those rights have been given by God. And because they come to you as a covenant from God, that's how it was written, they cannot be alienated from you or taken from you. And that is the basis of your citizenship and the citizenship of your children. Correct. Okay, I'm gonna start there. Because in 1933, John Dewey, who, was, uh, who is considered to be the father of um, modern education in America, he, along with a number of other, oh no, I've got, now I've got my baby coming in. <laughs> um, he, along with um, uh, a number of other educators, wrote what's called the Humanist Manifesto, and yeah. they instituted that in the public schools. Most people know, if you say, um, have you ever heard of the Humanist Manifesto? People will say, well, yes, I have. But they, it's one of those things that they know, they recognize that they've heard about it, but they really don't know what it's, what's in it. 
But that document in and of itself completely changed the rights of your children and you as a citizen in America and me. It completely changed the citizenship. And from 1933 forward in the public school system, the citizen has been altered. So to t- today, when we have people voting things in that make no sense with our constitution, the reason that happens is we have changed the citizen, okay? We've really altered the citizen. The citizen no longer receives their rights from God, but rather they, they receive whatever, uh, the, the way it's set, it was originally set up, that the the people had all of the rights and they gave some responsibilities to the government. Now the government has all the rights and they give some limited freedoms to the citizens. We have completely, unless we undo this, we will not ever be a free nation again. So what my book does is it goes line upon line through the uh, uh, Humanist Manifesto 1 and Humanist Manifesto 2. There are what are called affirmations in each of these manifestos. The first affirmation in the first Humanist Manifesto is, excuse me. Oh, no problem. Take your time. It takes, this is what it says. The first, um, first, religious humanists regard the universe as self-existing and not created. Mm -hmm. So essentially, the first affirmation removes God completely. And when, when you look at the introduction to the, uh, the manifesto, let, may I read a little bit? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. Yes. The time has come for widespread recognition of the radical changes in religious beliefs throughout the modern world. The time is past for mere revision of traditional attitudes. Science and economic change have disrupted the old beliefs. Religions the world over are under the necessity of coming to terms with the new conditions created by a vastly increased knowledge and experience. In every field the human acti- of, of human activity, the vital movement is now in the direction of a candid and explicit humanism. In order that religious humanism, religious humanism may be better understood, we, the undersigned, desire to make certain affirmations, which we believe the facts of our contemporary life demand. The second paragraph here says this, there is great danger of a final and we believe fatal identification of the world religion with doctrines and methods which have lost their significance. So this gives you the flavor that when these people wrote this, they believed that they were doing exactly what our First Amendment says they had no right to do, which was to establish a religion. Yeah. As they pulled God, and and it was a generic God. It wasn't teaching a specific religion. Under the Christian umbrella, there's Lutheran, there's 130 different churches with different beliefs. They all have some common beliefs. But to teach a religion has a very specific set of doctrines, and that was not being done in the public school. All there was was the Judeo-Christian format and the Judeo-Christian moral framework. And I think think what the issue is, uh, so when I have these conversations with different people, they always say, oh, it's a separation of church and state, separation of church and state. But these people don't really know what separation of church and state is. The whole premise behind the separation of church and state was said so each state cannot have their own religion base. 
that was the whole premise behind separation of church and state. They keep saying, oh, you can't bring God into, into government. You can't bring the name of God into anything that's ran by, ran by the government, which is not true. The, the, the entire premise behind that statement is each state cannot establish their own religion under that umbrella. Because that's well, not working on everybody's rights. I go into that specific thing. The, the statement of separation of church and state actually uh, sprung from a letter. Um, and the thing that at the time that it was written, it was written to protect the, the um, religion from the state, not the state from religion. Correct. So the wall of separation was to protect the rights of religious people and religion in a public manner. Correct. That, um, which means everybody, uh, everybody who have different religions and beliefs can live in a single state amongst amongst each other, versus being correct. separated. That you is know, a lot of people don't know the first big encroachment against the church was when they established Section 501 of the tax code, C3-4, um, because that's backdoor rules for courts. It's like the, or for, for courts, for churches, the church has to decide, are they in the game or out of the game? Are they a nonprofit and the tithes and offerings are tax deductible <laughs> or are they not? And that money just goes to the church. And I, I know this sounds crazy. I know a number of religious leaders that listen to my show, and I'm thankful for your, well, I'm thankful that you listen to the show, but I'm also thankful for your counsel. Um, approach your church, approach your elders, and think about getting out of the game. Think about not being a 501c3 and, and removing that relationship that you have because it is a legislative mandate-ish relationship with the government. Um, that's my two cents on that. And uh, and they can't talk about the government. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> because well, once they yes. do, they lose their status. Exactly. The whole thing is, the whole thing is, uh, look, when you, when you have politicians uh, open up the prayer and once they're done, they say amen and a woman. They, they completely destroy the whole premise of God and, and religion, all that stuff single-handedly and making it, making it into a clown show. Like, when you say amen, it's not about men. <laughs> when you say the word amen, it, it has nothing to do with men. That's, that's the funny thing. Just like the I, word mandate. Go right. ahead, Linda. <laughs> Well, so so let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna drag us uh, back off of this just a little bit and 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 establish that what happened at the school level was the religion of atheism was established. So if if God is taken out of the schools, God is taken out of our children's uh, lives at the school level. And they not only did that at the schools, but then there were, it's like three entities. Oh, no, here he is again. They um, are a pet-friendly show. Oh, my, ki my <laughs> kitty. He just thinks he needs to be with me every minute. So um, the the thing is that the uh, once you establish this religion of atheism, then they got the courts involved and they included the the um, culture, the the um, so they had the the courts and the media at the time or entertainment, and and between the three things, religion and God has been literally stripped out of our culture. We could not have come to a place where we have one of the major discussions uh, for children. Children in kindergarten are going to be asked what pronoun they want to be called. Do they want to be, what, what's your pronoun? And children in kindergarten can have teachers place in their minds the thought that they could be a different gender. Sex has disappeared, the two sexes, and been replaced by all these genders. We could fight that little battle. It's a huge battle. But the, the essence of it comes from these documents and from removing God from the public school and the public format. So, so I keep saying 
we've got to get to the to the basis here. I I read your book. I've, I've listened to several of your interviews. When when you were talking, you're talking about things, and I'm like, my kids don't really play sports because. Um, a lot of the stuff that they tell you about sports is not true about the fostering teamwork and conflict resolution and stuff. That's not true. If that were true, then you would see these athletes turn around in the professional setting in the boardroom or what have you, and they would be good relationship managers, good conflict negotiators and stuff like that. It, that that's not true. I played sports. If you want to learn those types of skills, play chess or just develop relationships or join the scouts or something. Um, but when you had pointed out that they have all of these games on Sunday mornings because they that's just right. want families away from church. That's it's, right. And it's specifically Christianity. And the name Jesus Christ evokes outrage around the globe. If you're Muslim, Hindu, if you believe in the flying spaghetti monster, if you're... Oh, oh, I don't want to say that religion. But if you're any of these other religions, <laughs> you probably know the one. If you're any other religion, uh, you're fine. You know, Scientologist, um, if you believe in the science and medicine and, and, and St. Fauci, full of grace, whatever, um, you're fine. But just the name Jesus Christ or creator God, create any of that stuff evokes outrage. And that's what they want out of the classroom. That's what they want off the dollar. That's what they want out of the Pledge of Allegiance and all of this stuff. And I've been telling people these teachers are crazy and radical and they don't believe us. And we have to tell them stories. And you have an awesome story about a teacher that basically said, you know, I'm usurping your authority as parents because I have your kids. I, I got That's them. Right. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about this and, and the bigger implications for the indoctrination camps that have become American public schools? Well, that particular instance happened just a year or two ago. That isn't a long ago thing. I was attending in Tucson, um, TUSD, the uh, um, board meetings that had to do with the uh, bringing the sex education program. The sex education program was going to start introducing transgender. I think the transgender is probably one of the most um, debilitating and evil things that they can do to a child. It to me. It is uh, raping a child's mind. The transgender movement is uh, is leading us into transhumanism, and that to me is directly out of. Uh, I, I don't know where you guys stand on this, but it's right out of a satanic Bible to me. It's out of the satanic playbook because um, Satan hates the human being. We are imagers of the living God. That's what we are. We were, we were made in the likeness and the image of God. And because of that, we've been given creativity. We've been given our will. We've been given so much. But Satan absolutely hates people, whether it's in the womb. He hates those. He hates the children going to school. So he's delighted to be able to give them vaccinations that could kill them. I mean, he hates people. And so I was at the, uh, at the board, the, every board meeting, trying to figure out how do you fight this thing at, at a, a school board. And the teachers would stand up. The parents were all opposed to it. And the teachers would stand up. And they were the only ones that were for this kind of education. And they would haughtily say, it doesn't matter what you want. I have your children and I will have them every day for the grade that I have them and I'll teach them what I want. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I think so, that's the problem. I think I think these teachers think they're they're the parents now. They are raising our kids, they are in charge of raising our kids. And I think uh uh unfortunately we have been asleep for majority of the time. And they've been doing this under our noses without really being um, noticed. Right. But 
I think now we are noticing, and I don't think it's late. My 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 whole thing is, um, people who want to be transgender. I don't care. I honestly don't care. People people who are gay. I don't care. That doesn't bother me. They could be whoever they want behind behind closed doors in public. That's fine. But when you come close to my family and try to tell my family and my kids how to live their life and 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 try to manipulate their mind into your way of life, that's where I have the issue. I'm I'm the father. I I am the parent. I am in charge of programming my kids the way I want them to grow up. Once they are out of the house, they are entitled to their own mindset and they can they are free to think the way they want to think. My job is to put them in a path to to for them to think for themselves, not gain or or observe somebody else's thinking. And that's the whole thing. They don't want children to think for themselves. And when you start at a young age, it's easy to teach them that. It's easy to mold their mind that you listen to X, Y, and Z. And we've seen examples of this. We've seen teachers telling their students, don't listen to your parents. Parents are stupid. Your parents are dumb. My parents were dumb. And I'm smarter than my parents. And you are smarter than your parents. Don't listen to your parents. It's so, awesome. so I'm going to go take us, drag us back if I can, Demis, to what specific things these documents did to change the school system to do exactly what you have just described. So, so in the, the um, manifesto, oh dear. In the manifestos, I'm so sorry. Um, the first thing is that man is not created. So we get rid of God. The second thing is that man evolved. It, it specifically says man evolved. So what happens with that is they put a science base of evolution in as a fact mm -hmm. to, to bolster the, the um, removal of God. The third thing is... I'm just going to point out that you guys can see uh, the Humanist Manifesto 1, 2, and 3. All of these documents are available on Linda's website. That's 2americas.net. That's the number 2americas.net. You click on Downloads. You click on the manifesto that you want, and it opens up. Back to you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out, Joe, because that's what I would love people to do, is to just go and, and not just be familiar with hearing about this, but to really understand what it does. So the third affirmation rejects the Christian concept of body, soul, and spirit. So what it does is the third affirmation, when it's put into uh, active place in a public manner, is that the, it, it, everything becomes material. So you make these children into people who don't recognize that they have a soul that's eternal or a spirit that God speaks to, that everything is material. That changes the child. Then the, the, fourth, the fourth thing is that we're shaped by our culture. Um, the, the fifth, um, the fifth um, affirmation is, asserts that modern science makes believing in the supernatural unacceptable. So it's not just you take it or leave it. Through this, these documents, it is unacceptable to believe in the supernatural. And later on in some of the other ones is that some of the other affirmations state specifically that you're not to have religious um, uh, emotions and there, there are genetic um, things being done right now that say that they can find the gene that that uh, that is in the um, what would be the super spiritual people, and that they'll remove that gene from you. I don't know if you've heard any of that, but that that is an interesting thing when they state specifically that they want the the spiritual emotions 
to not be available. Um, number nine is really interesting because number nine says that they've replaced old attitudes of religion with the heightened personal life of social well-being. So if you wonder why your children in the school system are being turned into little social justice warriors, this is it. Why would you have little children singing about Obama? This affirmation touches on that. The now remember, these are crazy conspiracies. Yeah. But what, when did they write this? In the 30s? Yeah. Yes, this was in the 30s. Their, their, um, their motto was doing good without God. So they wanted to have the, ki the kids clamp onto something that they would do good about without God. Now, this has taken many years. I have a friend who uh, tells me that in 1952, in her high school in Florida, they still started every day with prayer and a pledge of allegiance, and that they had none of this. So it's taken a very long time for it to completely permeate the public school system, but it has completely permeated and completely is ready to make that final change now. Um, so, I mean, I could go, go through this. Um, one of the things is there's no more capitalism. Another statement is that there is no more borders. So you see these things that are stated in the manifestos that are coming about in our political system today. The, it is time for us to uncover these documents and to look at them from the perspective of how they have completely changed our uh, nation and our covenant with a with God, and to and we have all these Christians that are standing up and talking and saying we've got to change this and we've got to change that, and they they need to go back to this and understand where where the the um, destruction took place because this was the destruction. These are the this is uh, the marching orders, if you will. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, guys, I'm not the expert in this. Linda has some really awesome interviews. They're over on Rumble on a couple of different shows where she speaks about this um, in in more depth and and some of the things that she's seen and heard. But one conspiracy is not a bad word. Conspiracy is necessary to commit many crimes. If the three of us wanted to rob a bank or do a flash mob throwing cookies into the air, we would need to conspire. We would need to decide which bank or which cookies, what day, what time, et cetera, et cetera. All of that stuff is conspiring. In states where they don't have, in Virginia, you need a, prepon or a preponderance of evidence. You need what's called the furtherance of the act. So not just the idea to commit a crime, but to set it into motion, a furtherance of the act. They, you know, this is the idea of cops doing stings for prostitution. Then they have to wait for you to get in the car, wait for you to say this for that, this money for this act or they wait for the drugs to change hands, a furtherance of the act. And all the states where they don't require that, conspiring is fine. Cons conspiracy is enough to charge. Conspiracy to commit murder, to commit fraud, conspiracy to whatever. So if you believe in conspiracies, you're not a tinfoil hat-wearing person. I tell people this all the time. 1930s and early 40s, the Manhattan Project, 200,000 Americans worked on that project and they spent $2 billion of that era's time or money. Not a single leak, nothing until after the bombs dropped. The government can keep a secret, corporations can keep a secret, big tech can keep a secret, and the, the powers that be, whoever they are, not going to name names here, but I think you guys know who they are, what organizations they run can certainly conspire. Linda just told you this was published in the 30s, but these ideas are even older. And if you don't believe that there's an assault against you, your family, your rights, and against this nation, that's been a universal good. We've done more good for the globe than any other nation, then you are asleep at the wheel. Uh, so soapbox complete. 
Uh, we'll, we'll get back on Linda's soapbox now. <laughs> well, I'd just, like just to, one, like one more thing. Can, can I add Thank one you. thing? Can I just yes. add one thing? I think if you add theory to anything at this point, it makes it a right-wing stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy well, theory, uh, critical race theory, everything that ends with a theory at this point, it becomes a, a conspiracy, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, these are, these are well-documented, uh, doc, they're documents. And um, if you look at, at uh, what has happened, these things have taken place and they've been put into policy there's a couple of words that you need to have in your mind. Um, one of the words is intolerant. Intolerant. So the church, when, when uh, they wanted to remove God, they wanted to remove creches, they wanted to remove crosses, they wanted to remove the picture of Jesus, they wanted to remove the Ten Commandments. All of these things have been stripped from our society. And if we in any way comment that we think it's wrong, we are com considered intolerant. If we want to, um, to retain the family unit and a husband and wife as describing a family, we are considered intolerant. The word intolerant is used as a bludgeon of uh, of the Christian community, and it has completely silenced us. And as Steve Bannon, I love that man. I love Steve Bannon. As he has been saying, as he said in the last couple of days, we need to get off of being on defense and we need to go on offense. We need to take this and we need to understand what they've done. We need to get some good lawyers working for us and we need to go on defense. And we need to say it's not wrong to say that a husband and wife in a family unit and having children are the basis of a, um, a nation's strength. They have completely demolished our strength by taking these kinds of things away from us. And they are in this document. Um, uh, one of the one of the things that, that they did, this is kind of amazingly brilliant. Um, Joe, you said that these thoughts were there long before 1933. They were. And so when you think of Nietzsche and his removal of God and saying there is no God, when Nietzsche wrote, that was a hopeless emptiness. His, his uh, removal of God became hopeless. These people, when they wrote, made removing God great because you were going to have social programs were going to become the life force so that people had purpose. People need purpose in their life. So this is not a hopeless, uh, empty, there is no God. What they did is they placed uh, environmentalism. They have placed all kinds of different different isms into the public school. Now they've got social justice. And so um, this is not an empty, uh, godless thing. They've given these people purpose, the children purpose. And the children have grown up. And so now what have we got? We have our children being taught to be political activists. That's what they're teaching in the public school. You know what's crazy to me? The bullying that goes on in schools. Because forever there'd been traditional bullying stuff in kids in lockers, the larger kids um, picking on the smaller kids or the cool kids picking on the uncool kids. But now there's a social credit score type bullying where right. if you go against any of the, the science or whatever, um, it, it's turned into a political statement and the position of authority in the classroom is obviously the teacher and the principal and their positions are very clear and very clearly aligned to the leftist political ideology. That's right. So That's right. That, that bullying has to be identified and it has to be legally removed from schools that you can not do this from school. It's, it's what... 
you know, and Demis tells a good story about the schools in Iran not doing this, but it's what communist schools did in China. It's it's what schools did in the USSR. It, and it's it's really disgusting to think of. I'm thinking of a small child head down at their desk, scared to death to say anything, to speak out, to say anything that's unpopular in the eyes of the, the leftist doctrine and essentially ruin their life at that moment. Um, so, so I could I could tell you something about about Iran. Um, see, in Iran, when the revolution happened, Iran became sanctioned by by almost the entire world. So they, they didn't have any allies when the uh, during the revolution. So one thing they had to do was become self sufficient and grow. And the only way they were able to do that was by implementing education into their into their system. Not indoctrination, education. Indoctrination happened in a separate level. Um, but the education was more important for them because they had to be self-sufficient, become they need they had to create engineers, they had to create scientists, they had to create doctors, um, they had to create uh people. So that- if we study a bunch of woke nonsense, we're not gonna all become doctors and engineers. Is oh yeah, you're gonna be you, your resume <laughs> will look great. Your lesson would look great, <laughs> even uh, so. Yeah, it, it, even even when I was going to school in Iran, uh, the school I went to was uh, w- our church used to own that school property at one point, but we were integrated with other children, with Muslim children. So every morning we would read the Bible, then we would, uh, and they would read, they would read the Quran. Then slowly the government took over. Then the Bible went away. It was only the Quran in the morning. So they read verses of the Quran in the morning. So there was no longer Bible verses read during the morning. Till this day, they still do that in the morning. The children line up. In a, uh, they line up uh, based on what grade they're in. Uh, they do some exercises in the morning before they go to class. They do some prayers in the morning. Then they go to class. They're not allowed to go into class before uh, once the bell rings. They're supposed to stand in line, do their little morning exercises. Then they go into class. Um, it might it might it might be changed a little bit now, but that was pretty much the standard. Uh, but even till now, prayer is still allowed. They don't they'll never take the prayer out out of their school system. Even though you got to realize right now, most of the Iranians that live in Iran, especially the, the middle class or the upper class, they're only Muslim by name. They don't really practice. Very few of them practice. It's usually the lower class that's more religion, religious and you know they always practice in Islam and all that. So, um, But when it comes down to Christianity and Judaism, majority of the Christians and Jews living in Iran they're practicing Christians and they're practicing Jews, majority of them, because that's all they have left. And we could fast forward to here. Here, when I came, when I when I went to the school system here, we were allowed to pray. You know, you know, we were allowed to uh, uh, pledge allegiance to the flag. We were allowed to say God in the school system. This is back in the '90s, but it was slowly fading away. It was slowly being taken out of the system because two people complained and that's all they needed. That's right. Three people that's complained, right. that's all they needed. I mean, that's we just right. saw, uh, we saw it in our own school system with the Loudoun County right. school system. Three people complained and the teachers fired. That's, that's exactly what they have done. They have used the, the legal system and they will pinpoint, they go after specific things that they want. Like in the case of Roe v. Wade, they, they took, uh, uh, I think it's Norma Jean, um, and, they, and they just loved on her and they made so much of her until they got the case through and then they tossed her out. They didn't care anything about her. Gloria Steinem didn't. I mean, none of the leftists care about that. They looked and looked for a for a case that they could bring um, against a pizza guy in in Ohio, 
They looked and looked for the Baker case. I mean, they, they looked for cases to create. And what I'm saying is we need to do the same thing. We have got to start going on the offensive and say, and in my book, I lay out that we basically state that we are two Americas. We are not split by black and white. We are not split by rich and poor. We are not split by gay and straight. Those <coughs> are things that they are using to, to cause us to be divided, but that is not the division. The division really exists between atheist and theist. And I'm not saying, when I say theist, everybody who believes in God can come under theist. I believe that every parent who pays taxes should be able to go to the school district and say, we want a theist founder's school and you can have an atheist school just exactly the way it is now. And parents should be able to sign their children into those schools. A founder's school should have these things that uh, should be common. You should be able to sing um, uh, Christian songs as well as fun songs at Christmas. You should be able to have Christmas and Easter as part of the child's education and their, their social life. You should be able to have the Ten Commandments somewhere. You should be able to have literature that, ha that has moral fiber to it, not right. just emptiness and not, the, so every, uh, you should have a uh, family life education that actually talks about families, that talks about um, uh, parents and children and how to be healthy in a family. So, so we need to have, we need to stand up and say, we want part of our public school system back. And if not, we want every child to have a voucher and the child, the parent, to be able to put a child in the kind of education they want. Children should not be locked in to the public education system that is nothing more than an indoctrination and that is not a good education. That's my stand. Coming and to the, the shirts near you, my school, my choice. Yes, my <laughs> school, my choice. Exactly. Linda, You're I've got exactly a latch on. Right. I, I got a soapbox for, for one minute. Yes. On on the family life education. If they would if they would tell you in schools the reality of one, it's difficult to foster a relationship, to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a mom, to be a dad. Those roles are difficult. I would yes. know I'll be married for 10 years on Saturday and uh and we have four kids. I almost forgot how many. Um, but we've, we've got seven through six weeks. We've got the whole thing, right? They, when they, these family life, these sex education, whatever they call it, really they're just telling kids about the pleasure and having sex, premarital sex. Don't tell your parents about it. Telling them that they can get abortions on demand, um, I, I'm waiting for the day that you can order an abortion on an app and someone comes to your house and does it, uh, which I'm sure is something that absurd Planned Parenthood, which is really planned kill your baby, um, has in the works. But if they told people these statistics, half of marriages fail, some years upwards of 70%. You people out there cohabitating, that means moving in with your boyfriend, moving in with your girlfriend, almost 0%. Statistically, 100% of those relationships fail, whether you get married, whether you don't get married. All you need to do is graduate high school, get married before you birth a child. That's exactly right. <laughs> Work and save, and you will have an excellent outcome in this country and most other countries. Hey. And... And that that's the soapbox. So, Joe, let me let me let me uh, let me say this. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of black people complain that they're the minority and they've been the thirteen percent of this of this country for how many years now? What fifty years? I want to say mm -hmm. they don't question the fact that how come their numbers are not increasing? How come the black population hasn't increased from that percentage? If you listen to '90s rap. 
you could listen to Nas. I was a fan of Nas. And he said in his music, stop aborting your kids, you idiots. White so, people or rich white people are telling you to kill and, your babies and, and you're and doing it. And this is the thing. And, and, you know, like, you know, coming, coming, you know, since I get titled as a white supremacist from Iran, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 it looks, it looks like I'm not stopping anybody from having a family. I don't, you know, I, I advocate for having a family. Nuclear family is the most important thing that could carry on a society. But yet That's you right. have politicians, you have people you know, who have speaking power, like uh, uh, um, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, you know, keep complaining, keep complaining. And, you know, I, I sit here and say, look, your population is not growing because you're allowing these people to, to shape your mind of not having a nuclear family, of having abortion constantly, my body, my choice constantly, and the crime rate Black on black crime rate is out of control. So when you have all those lined up, of course your population is not going to increase. You're always going to be in the minority league. You'll never have a voice. They want to keep it that way. They don't want you to think for yourself. They want you. They want to control you. That's the whole purpose of a government. Government, as a whole, is designed to control. It's not designed to serve. If you look at any government, that's what they're designed to do. It's designed to control. We have to control the chaos. We have to control the money flow. We have to control the health system. We have to control uh, uh, who comes in and who goes out. We have to control. We have to control. We have to control. That's all you hear is we have to control this. We have to control the left. We have to control the right. So this is the, this is the power of the government, and people don't realize when you give government that type of power, you know better than any any other dictatorship that you you know you keep complaining about. You keep telling dictatorship, you keep telling communism, and yet you're allowing these people to overstep their boundaries and control your life for you. So, so know, Dimas, you are you are making the argument um, of the documents that I I've given you to take a look at because that's exactly what happened. The citizenship was taken away from the citizen. Now it is the government that holds every right, and they trickle out a few rights to you that they want you to have, but mostly they control every single thing that you do. And the Biden administration wants to control every penny you spend and watch everything that over $600 that is communism. So that is communism. Well, thank God that fell flat <laughs> on their what face. What you need so. to know <laughs> is that these the first document here was written in 1933. The Communist Manifesto was not written by Karl Marx until 15 years later. It yeah. has all of the same kinds of things that this has. But this was written earlier and it was instituted earlier. The and basic, God. So it's taken hold. Yeah, the basic rule of thumb is everyone who wrote something with manifesto at the end is a psycho, <laughs> and they all believe in the same Marxist nonsense. Uh, Linda, we we've got about seven minutes. I I can't let you go, guys. I can't let you go before when I knew this was going to be a good book. Um, and I'm, I'm very appreciative uh, that you sent this to me. Uh, if you couldn't tell, uh, Linda Nelson here is the author of The Blueprint for Two Americas, which is available at, here, here's another primetime commercial, available at twoamericas.net. That's the number, twoamericas.net. You can purchase the book right there. And here's why you want to. I, I just want, this, this is such a dire warning, and who better to deliver it than then then senatorial nominee uh, Abraham Lincoln said in uh, when he's getting the acceptance of the nominee to run or to be the sen well to run for senator in Illinois. Uh, so that's June of 1858. He says, "I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave, half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall." but I do expect it will cease to be divided. 
it will become all one thing or all the other. And I tell you, Abraham Lincoln could have written that about right now, today, this moment, because we, like I said, we are engaged in this cultural warfare, whether we're going to be a free people, a representative constitutional republic that exercises government through democracy. We are not a democracy, um, which we're finding out with the Rittenhouse case. Um, And it's a good thing that we're not. But Linda, can you just, you you put this right in the forward of the book. And I I knew, I was like, this is going to be a good book. Um, And and it is. Guys, get this book. It is a must read. I've had several authors on the channel, but I don't say all their books are must read. So that that's called a clue, folks. Um, obviously, you. obviously, an important message was put on your heart for you to say, "I'm going to sit down and write this." People need to read this. I agree. I think it's an excellent message, uh, guys. You got to get through the first 200 pages, but then there's a message of hope at the end. There's some action things to do. Um, but can you just opine on on then senatorial candidate Lincoln's comments there? Uh, and of course, he later went on in, in the State of the Union to talk about the House divided again. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up because I usually, in any of the interviews, I have those in my notes that sit here. I haven't really looked at my notes very much tonight. But um, I do believe that we are at this... Uh, Point, and it's a spiritual point too. We're in this era when, of course, many Christians are looking: is is Christ coming back? Do we do we do? Are we in the days of Revelation? All of these things are being talked about. But truly, this nation has was made to be a covenant nation under God, and we were we were created to have an influence worldwide and we do have an influence worldwide and if we fall to this if we fall it's going to take down the world there won't be a shining light left and that's why so many people thousands and thousands of people across this country are standing up they're going to meetings Um, they come hear me I've gone to several places here in Tucson to bring this book forward. I have a small piece of this puzzle. I just happen to think it's a very important piece that if we get this piece put into the center and we understand we've got to get God put back in, that we will be like um, Abraham Lincoln and we will put the, the nation back on course again. And we will not allow the tail to wag the dog there is a very small number of people in this country who think the way that we are being governed is proper, that we can do away with laws, that we can have um, uh, one justice system for one group of people and another justice system for another group of people. The way we have gone is not acceptable by many, many of the people in this country. And those people are standing up those people are going to get out and vote, and they're going to try to true this vote. We're not going to give up on the vote. I mean, there's so many, there's so many facets of what needs to be done right now. But I do believe that this little piece that I hold on to and have tried to describe as an important piece. By the way, I gave um, Mr. Bannon. He just spoke here in in Tucson a couple of weeks ago, and I gave him a book. I don't know if he'll have time to read it. <laughs> he reads a ton, which was no surprise to me. Um, yeah, Steve's a good guy. I'm, I'm glad that he's leading the charge. I was going to say in the fight, but he's, he's certainly a general on this whole oh, thing. He's, he's so amazing. we're nearing the end. We're going to round the bases on the sponsorships and whatnot. Um, so... Like many shows, uh, this was sponsored by the Joe Mobley Show shop where you can get 
all of your awesome uncloseted conservative gear, like the shirt I am wearing right now. Uh, you can get this and a whole bunch of other uh, funny, where's that screen? Here it is. Oh, 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 I can do it. There we go. Uh, you can get it and a whole bunch of other uh, funny things. I just released these these Trump things, uh, I think last night. Um, but the Let's Go Brandon gear is selling like crazy. I'm probably I'm probably gonna make it limited time here soon, um, and I'm proud of this gear here. Um, uh, I'm gonna be promoting it in January, but I guess you guys get a sneak peek. I, I did a Martin Luther King Jr. line uh, because the left is is really trying to erase uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and his dream and all that he stood for. Uh, this episode's affiliate partner is Plug and Law, and I don't have that on the screen for you, so just bear with me. The links for all of this stuff is down below. What does Plug and Law do? I'm so glad you asked. So, so many of us are conservatives, which means that we don't particularly like working for other people, but we like to go out, leave the cave, kill something, drag it home. We like to work for ourselves. And if you have a small business, an e-commerce website, a website where you sell something or a small brick and mortar or a big brick and mortar, uh, you should know that there are several things that you need to legally operate in the United States. I know the founders are rolling over in their grave, but you need a terms of use. You need, you might want a mandatory arbitration agreement, plug in law, it's just like it sounds. It's a lawyer who's made templates for these tedious legal documents. You plug in the details of your business, your website, your brand, and what you're all about, and it plugs it into these legal documents. It's awesome. I've got affiliate links below that you can click on. They've got uh, a legal bundle. There's one for setting up an LLC. There's a trademark bundle if you're in the trademarking. There's uh, this lawyer, uh, Erica, she's actually a YouTuber. She's got a mastering YouTube course. All of those links and more below. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you should like and subscribe to this channel, The Joe Mobley Show. But you should also like and subscribe, hit the bell notification to Immigrant Corner. Guys, Demis is here to stay. He's an awesome co-host. Uh, but you might not have known that he has his own channel, unless, of course, you're watching the stream on his channel. Uh, but he does analysis of current events, and it's funny it's accurate, and it's stuff that you will never see on mainstream media. So give him a follow. We got to get those subscribers up, guys, before we get canceled. And uh, we it's not as simple as just, oh, go to Rumble. Yeah, we're on Rumble, but we have even less influence there. Yeah. Um, so links to everything I just went over is in the description below. Like, share, subscribe, buy a shirt. Christmas is coming. I am putting out Let's Go Brandon Christmas sweaters that are actually Christmas Christmas sweatshirt. So you're going to have to wait a couple of days, at least after Black Friday for that. Um, Linda, you're not off the hook. You are closing us out. It's been an honor and a pleasure and a blessing speaking with you this evening. Um, you watch the show. I'm, I'm truly appreciative of that. Uh, so you know that this is coming. Um, you can't pick your own and you can't pick the Bible. Everyone's going to go out and buy a copy of the blueprint for two Americas at two Americas.net, the number two Americas.net. Uh, and hopefully everyone's got a Bible, maybe a nice family Bible in their home. But aside from those two books, if you could get everyone on earth to read and understand one book, what would you pick and why? Well, this goes along with sort of my wheelhouse, and that is seven men who rule the world from the grave. It's very oh, interesting. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, I haven't heard it that one either. It talks about seven men. It's not a very long book, but um, it, it, it lays out the foundation of these men who have completely changed our world and not for the good. Um, so I, I would challenge people to pick that one book up, Seven Men Who Rule the World. And I, I wasn't prepared. I, I hadn't thought this thing through, but I would suggest that everybody read that. All right. So Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave by Dave Brees. Guys, it's a very affordable book. You can get it 
Amazon Primed for 14 bucks, or you can get from the local bookstore. And I don't have the local bookstore's website up because I don't know where you're watching from because uh, <laughs> that would be super creepy. Uh, but awesome. I, I love getting these recommendations. There is going to be an entire year's uh, worth of, of interview guest list coming soon to my website. Um, we're coming up on our one-year anniversary. I launched November 30th of last year, um, so I'm going to release a year of guests' book recommendations. It's going to be awesome. I haven't read all the books, guys, I'll be honest, um, but you should check out, check out that curated list and get some of these books, and uh, yeah, we'll have to check this out. Linda, thank you so Can much I for joining the show. Of thank course. Can I say one thing before I leave? Of course. I want to say thank you. I didn't start by saying thank you. Um, I have such a small voice. Uh, I, I am um, an older woman who doesn't know how to use all the, the um, uh, social media and all of that sort of thing. And I'm so humbled that you invited me to be here. I'm, I really, it just is amazing. So thank you, Joe. You're amazing. Thank you, well, Dennis. Linda, you are. Of course. It's thank our you. pleasure. Thank you for, for accepting the invitation and, uh, uh, and giving us uh, a piece of your knowledge so we can actually, you know, share it with other people. Thank you. Absolutely. A blessing and an honor. Well, guys, that's all we have for tonight. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.